the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. David French, who is a senior fellow of the National Review, uh, is uh, joining us now. Hello, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, I've been better. I've been better. (laughs) Yesterday had to come as kind of a surprise to you because uh, you're a guy who is is authoring some of the bills they were talking about yesterday. Well, yesterday, it was one of those moments when uh, somebody takes an idea that you've been talking about, twists it, distorts it, misstates it in such a grotesque way that it's unrecognizable. Um, it was really an amazing moment. Um, so you had Mike Pence talking about, in a very responsible and sane and sober way, this right. concept of a gun violence restraining order, right. um, which allows people uh, to seek an order from a court and with due process, uh, with a hearing, uh, when someone is exhibiting dangerous behavior to allow a temporary seizure of their guns when there's red flags. And in the vast, vast majority of these mass shootings, there have been red flags. And a lot of times people haven't had the tools to do anything about it. Right, right. This changes that. And then Trump stepped in and said, no, no, no. Take the guns first, then do process. And you just, uh, you know. He did did say, he said, you know, there's a different system. Take take the guns first yeah. and then do process. And I I believe that system is fascism, authoritarianism, <laughs> totalitarianism, communism. I mean, there is another system, David. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, he, he his views on due process are really interesting. Um, so if you're a credibly accused wife beater in the White House, um, well, then due process. But if you're. Um, a law-abiding gun owner than no due process. So it's a very strange system, uh, a very strange uh, strain of constitutional thinking there. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, look, the bottom line is he's not drafting a bill. He's not proposing a bill. Uh, he doesn't really know about any of this in no. any detail. I mean, when he, so was, when we, when he was saying that two Toomey was afraid of the NRA. It shows you have no idea. You have no yeah. idea. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing that was stunning to me about you, well, you know, I, I, I am on record many times for having low expectations of this president. Yes. Um, but he underperformed even my low expectations yesterday. And, and the reason is that the NRA has been probably his most loyal conservative friend. Um, the NRA has been relentless for him. Uh, a lot of people have criticized the NRA for taking a turn, perceived turn towards Trumpism, where they're you know promoting the president as much as they're promoting their you know the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And so the NRA has been ferociously loyal to Trump. And and yesterday he not only said, "Hey, take the guns first, due process second. He he um, essentially said, "No, no concealed carry reciprocity." He made fun of a senator for being in. Uh, in the uh, pocket of the NRA or being scared of the NRA. And then he flew with the idea of an assault weapons ban, all in the space of about 30 minutes. And my jaw hit the floor. It, it was, um, you know, it was an amazing thing to see. So, so David, the, the a lot of people will say nothing's going to come of this, so don't worry. Uh, 
this was so jaw-dropping that, I mean, I've said this for years, long before Donald Trump, you have to have a guy in the Oval Office whose natural first instinct is constitutional, that is that it is freedom-based. For instance, when you have a problem, you know who also didn't get due process? The Japanese, as they were put onto a bus for an internment camp. I mean, when there is a trouble, when there's trouble and you are not based in the Constitution, that that is an that is a moment that could go horribly awry as it has in the past here in America. When the president says, well, I'm not really afraid of the NRA. I don't think in 2021 he'll be afraid of anybody. And if we have trouble this is a giant red flag. Right. And, it, you know, so not only is it a red flag on, on pure policy grounds, in other words, how does the president exercise the powers of his office? It's also, look, the bully pulpit matters. You know, there, this, this is a, a novel theory on the part of, the, of many parts of the conservative public that what the president do, says doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. um, which is just a rationalization and an excuse. Uh, the bully pulpit matters when you're talking about the person with perhaps the greatest uh, public platform in the world, and they're indifferent at best to the Constitution. They're obviously here seem to really not care about the Second Amendment all that much. Um, those things matter, especially when the other side is locked in. I mean, the other side is locked in on messaging. It is locked in, uh, has extraordinary party discipline right now. I believe it was, what, 156 of the 193 members of Congress signed on, uh, Democratic members of Congress signed on to the assault weapons ban legislation that was just uh, introduced. So the other side is focused and locked in. And, you know, when the bully pulpit is occupied by somebody uh, who is not as focused, focused, not as locked in, and apparently indifferent to core constitutional values, that's a problem. David French, who has just written an a, uh, article for The Atlantic, what critics don't understand about the gun culture, and he, he really tried to reach out to the other side and say, look, I, I know there are people that don't understand uh, guns or the gun culture. Uh, let me try to demystify this a little bit so you can at least understand the other side. David, um, can you take us through this uh, rather quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So, what I wanted to do was uh, talk to folks. The Atlantic readers are, are mainly uh, progressives, uh, and I wanted to walk them through how you uh, how a person enters gun culture, and how it begins often with an actual threat or a perceived threat, where you realize that the police can't protect your family in time, and how actually walking through that process of buying a gun, learning to use the gun going to concealed carry permit class, getting training, actually brings you into a new community of folks and bring and, and also changes your outlook on life in a significant and a positive way. And so I wanted people to understand that this, this isn't a product of like NRA lobbying or, or congressional actions. It's a product of people's lived experience and how they respond to threats to their safety and their family's safety. Uh, it just, I just wanted to uh, to connect people with sort of the real story of people's lives. Yeah, you know, I just had a friend of mine uh, say yesterday, Glenn, I, I mean, uh, I'm not worried about my family and I don't, it's just not part of anything. I don't worry about any of this. 
Well, some of us do. And uh, some people, mainly Hollywood and people like me, have the money to be able to have an armed security guy with him the whole time. Um, But that's not the average person. I mean, my daughter, you know, if she had a stalker, she would want a gun. And I and I will tell you this. I am uh, I am somebody who felt I was not responsible enough to own a gun. What, 20 years ago? Uh, and I had to, you know, I had to have serious threats in my life. And the gun was the last step that I took myself. And then I really took it seriously and became responsible enough to own a gun. And, I, I, you know, I know everybody isn't like that, but they should be. And in, in, in your article, you, you point out that we were, as gun owners, we're horrified by uh, the, the, the killer in, uh, you know, at the high school um, having these guns and all of the warning flags and the system failed. And we were horrified here in Texas when the system failed. Right. Right. Exactly. It, you know, there's this perception, odd, strange. I mean, how, how evil do you think your fellow citizens have to be to believe that you're indifferent to what happened in Texas. But you get that rhetoric all the time, that people who belong to the NRA have blood on their hands, that they belong to a terrorist organization. When the fact of the matter is, as I related in my piece, I'm not, I'm not somebody who can afford armed security around my family. Uh, a guy came to our house. He blocked our driveway. He walked straight up to my wife and kids when they were in the backyard, and, I was, and the police and I were, were many minutes away demanding to see me he had this oddly had an empty holster at his hip he was he had just been driving slowly through my kid's school i mean this is so this thing this kind of thing focuses the mind pretty uh pretty intense intensely and and that's what you know it's those kinds of things and and look you know there's a lot of people who are not in the public square who are not out there tweeting and writing and doing tv appearances that you know, maybe it's an ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's they live in a dangerous part of town. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, there's all there's a lot of reasons why people quite reasonably say, you know, when the police can't be there instantly and the cl- police can't be there everywhere, I I kind of need a first line of defense. So and that is not unreasonable at all. I, um, I've I've got about forty five seconds here, David. Can you tell me have what is the response been from those who read this? I would say overwhelmingly positive. Uh, of course, some people have been very angry. One person said it was like white privilege on steroids, something like Whatever. that. Whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but overwhelmingly positive. Not so much that they say, oh, I want to join, you know, I want to go buy a gun. But it's yeah. just, okay, I get this. That's all that's all we have to do. And look, we're never going to com- we're never co- going to convince, nor do I think we have to really make the effort to go after the most staunch, you know, people who are against it right. and, because they're never going to change their mind. But we yeah. have to try to reach people so they at least hear the reasonable rational argument on the other side and we can learn from them they can learn from us and maybe we can pursue uh, you know truly common sense things uh that will will protect our families and protect our children in school david french thank you so much appreciate it thank you you glenn beck the blaze radio